0: This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, plastic waste and why we've run into a recycling crisis.
1: If you've been taking the world's garbage for decades, it might be time to rethink what you're doing. Just
0: how much can you reduce your waste? Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show. Here's a preview of what they're covering on Viewpoints this week.
2: This week on Viewpoints. This was a format in which I could talk about things that I felt were important that, like, didn't lend themselves to the other ways I had of expressing myself, which were very different and very immediate, like tweets and videos that I made the day before I uploaded them.
3: Internet star Hank Green on his novel, social media, and our culture online. Then...
4: She would flutter her fan according to the Morse code dots and dashes. If one of her spies was watching, they would be able to read the Morse code dots and dashes that she was doing with her fan.
3: Women fighting in the Civil
0: War. We'll hear how they lied and spied for both sides. I'm Marty Peterson.
3: And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints.
0: Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station, iTunes and Stitcher. Plastic is everywhere. In food packaging, cars, electronics, sports equipment, the list goes on and on. But our increased dependence on plastic has taken a toll on the environment, and it's only going to get worse. Most people don't know that much of the plastic we put into recycling goes to China. They've been importing 45% of the world's plastic waste since 1992. But at the start of this year, China said they weren't going to do it anymore.
1: Overwhelmingly high-income countries have been sending their plastic waste to low-income countries primarily located in the East Asian Pacific region. And so what this means is that now that China has been or has implemented their new national sword policy, the question is where is this waste now going to go?
0: That's Amy Brooks of the University of Georgia's New Materials Institute. She's co-author of a study measuring the global impact of China's ban on plastic waste imports. The study estimates that 111 million metric tons of waste will have to find a new place to go by 2030. But where?
1: We've definitely been seeing reports since the ban was implemented that waste is starting to accumulate in places that have long depended on exporting. And so that waste could be landfilled, maybe incinerated, costs are probably going to be passed down to consumers. Another thing that we're seeing in the news is that other countries near China, so also in Southeast Asia, are seeing rapid increases in the amount of plastic waste that they're importing. And so the problem is that they don't necessarily have the waste management infrastructure to adequately manage that waste. And so I was actually just in Vietnam in June and they were receiving lots of plastic waste and it was starting to clog up their system there. And so, funny enough, Vietnam has actually talked about implementing restrictions about importing plastic waste as well. So this is having huge cascading impacts seen all over the world.
0: So where all the waste will go remains uncertain. And in the United States and elsewhere, we're already feeling the effects. But why did we start exporting plastic waste to China in the first place?
1: Back in the 90s, markets emerged for a need for plastic waste in China. So they had a really rapidly growing population, which meant more consuming and a need for material. So plastic waste and recycled plastic waste became something they could use to diversify their kind of material stock to produce items. Um, At the same time, countries like the United States had implemented what's called single stream recycling. So this meant that there were large supplies of recycled material. And so it just kind of became a supply and demand where China needed the material. Countries like the United States had a lot of it. And so it just became beneficial to start sending it elsewhere.
0: But Brooks says now it's time for countries to manage plastic waste on their own, and some areas of the world are not prepared to handle it.
1: Economies in places like Southeast Asia and even Africa soon are developing really rapidly. So their middle class is growing, their amount of consuming is growing, and unfortunately waste management infrastructure can't keep up. And so interestingly, like Vietnam, for example, has half as much per capita waste generation as somebody in the United States, but the difference is that we have infrastructure and systems that collect and manage it, and they don't necessarily have that.
0: But even with existing waste management systems in the United States, we still face additional problems, even if we had places to put all of it. In particular, Brooks says high levels of contamination pollute our recycling stream. She says if people would learn how to properly recycle, our waste management would improve.
1: There are things that your facility can and cannot take. Most places can't take styrofoam, but people throw it in the bin all the time. And so that actually costs the recycling facility, and that material usually just ends up being landfilled, which means that the cost is passed down to consumers by the recycling facility so that's just kind of an example so people just don't know and they throw in the wrong things and they don't realize that that actually costs money and there's a idea called wish cycling or wish recycling it's kind of this feel good thing that people get where they think they're doing the right thing and throwing all their stuff in the recycling bin and they're actually throwing all the wrong things and again that that has to be dealt with somehow
0: brooke says that simply having a reusable water bottle or refusing to use plastic straws can make a difference But there are people out there taking much more extreme measures to eliminate waste. People like Bee Johnson. She's the author of the book Zero Waste Home and founder of the Zero Waste Lifestyle Movement.
4: Zero Waste at home aims at eliminating as much trash as possible from your household. What it does, though, is that it leads to a simpler life, one that is based on experiences instead of things. So ultimately, you discover a life that is based on being instead of having.
0: But can you actually achieve zero waste?
4: Today, with the manufacturing practices in place, you cannot get to zero. However, you can get pretty darn close to it. My family of four produces just one pint of trash per year. Thanks to the goal of zero that we were able to reduce it as much as we have. If zero is not the goal in our waste reduction, then what would it be? Would it be almost zero waste, a little bit less waste, medium waste? No, if you have zero in your head, then it really helps you to push things further.
0: Okay, so you can't have absolutely zero waste. But you can fit your annual trash into a pint-sized jar, or at least Johnson can. So now you're probably wondering, how is that possible?
4: To eliminate trash from your household, all you need to do is follow my methodology of five rules. The first rule is to refuse what we do not need, to simply learn to say no. The second rule is to reduce what we do actually need, so that means going through a decluttering process. The third rule is to reuse, and that means swapping disposables for reusables and buying secondhand if we need to buy something. The fourth rule is to recycle, but recycle only what we cannot refuse, reduce, or reuse. And finally, it's rot, which is composting the rest. And these five rules are to be applied in order. It's the order that will make a difference in uh, reducing or eliminating trash at home. The more you refuse, the less you have to reduce. The more you reduce, the less you have to reuse, etc.
0: But we find plastic everywhere in our daily lives. In fact, Brooks says 89% of the plastic waste we export is used in food packaging. And that means a zero-waster shops a little differently than most people.
4: We bring toast, glass jars for anything wet, like meat, fish, deli, cheese, that we present at the counter, so they slide it straight into the jar, and they deduct the tear, which is the weight of the jar, from the total price. So, of course, we're not paying for the weight of the jar. But we also bring cloth bags for anything dry, like flour, salt, sugar, cereal. And we'll buy our food in basically a health food store or a grocery store that offers bulk aisle or a bulk selection, And we also bring big cloth bags for our bread. It's actually an old pillowcase. And uh, we bring mesh bags for produce.
0: So now you're probably thinking this sounds pretty complicated. But Johnson insists it's easier than you think to live zero waste.
4: When you adopt a zero waste lifestyle, you acquire a selective vision. Personally, when I enter a uh, supermarket anywhere in the world, I no longer see what's available to me packaged, but I only see what's available to me unpackaged. And you'll find that those unpackaged goods are typically around the perimeter of the store.
0: And Johnson says living zero waste can even help save money.
4: If you buy your food unpackaged, if you go through the bulk and you compare bulk with packaged, you'll find that you're able to make huge financial savings. We found that we're saving 40% on our overall budget with this lifestyle. It's due to the fact that, one, we consume way, 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 way less than before. If we buy something, it's only to replace what needs to be replaced. So a a T-shirt that is too small or a sneaker that has a hole in it. And when we buy that replacement, we buy it secondhand, which obviously costs less. But when we buy our food also unpackaged, we make an automatic 15% savings from the fact that if you buy something that is packaged, 15% or more will cover the cost of the packaging.
0: But living zero waste is still intimidating for many people. Even Brooks, the plastic waste scholar, says going zero waste might not be for her.
1: I personally have a hard time getting to zero waste. But like I said, you know, some people can make that change. I know it's harder for people who have kids or jobs that use a lot of plastic. I mean, it's not impossible. Clearly, some people are able to do that, but it takes so much effort. Plastic is so heavily embedded in our lives. It's in almost everything you touch. So it's just hard to not generate that waste.
0: Brooks is right. Plastic is a staple material of the modern era, but Johnson says the challenge isn't as big as it seems, even for the busiest of people.
4: I think a lot of people picture me as a stay-at-home mom who spends her days worrying about her trash and making a lot of things, but that could not be further from the truth. I'm a full-time professional with a very busy schedule, And I only make very few things. Zero waste is not about making a lot of things. Zero waste does not complicate your life. It simplifies your life. And zero waste actually becomes a lifestyle when you let it simplify your life, not complicate it.
0: Johnson says the zero waste movement is gaining momentum. However, the lifestyle isn't for everyone. Still, as China's ban leaves less places for waste to go, consumers need to step up and do something.
1: We can fundamentally change our relationship with plastic. And if everybody makes the effort, maybe once a day, maybe once a week, maybe all the time, to use a reusable water bottle, reusable plastic bag, or maybe a reusable grocery bag and saying no to straws, it may not feel important, it may not feel like it's making a difference, but when millions of people start collectively making that change, it can have a, an, an impact, and so it'll reduce the amount of waste we generate and reduce the amount we have to manage and hopefully reduce the amount we have to send off for somebody else to manage it.
0: So Brooke says change is in our hands, and that change needs to start happening now. Our writer this week is Hannah Swan. I'm Reed Hess. stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now.
2: 800-513-5981. 800-513-5981. 800-513-5981. That's 800-513-5981. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478.
0: Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.